The Robert Scott Bell Show podcast is brought to you by Trinity School of Natural Health and Nutritional Frontiers. Learn more at trinityschool.org and nutritionalfrontiers.com. All right, who's ready to go live on the Robert Scott Bell Show today? Dude. What? What? Dude, what? It's so funny. I had that thing up there. And I'm like, don't sniff. Don't sniff. Yeah. And the first thing you did is... Oh, no. <laughs> you did it again. I'm coming off. Um, yeah, I'm coming off a road trip with the kids <laughs> and I, I didn't sleep well. And so <sighs> that's one of the things. If you have a weak point like the sinuses, you're like, oh, man, got to clear that out. But overall, I'm OK. Sorry about the sniffing. You didn't give me a heads up on that, Super Don. But uh, that's the that's the way it is. We're just going to go with it. Um, let's see. Anyway, what we got today? OK. National Health Freedom Coalition, National Health Freedom Action. We had scheduled Diane Miller on the show. She, she's probably sniffly, so she's not on. But uh, Stephen O'Connor is going to join us from there. We'll talk a little bit about the homeopathic regulations and more. What's uh, NHF, NH, National Health Freedom Coalition, and Action doing? What's, what are they up to? We've got links in the show notes at robertscabell.com. And as always, best laid plans of having our website completely transferred over is not complete yet. <laughs> Every day we th- we think we think we'll get there we'll get there, uh, so we got that in the first hour we got a question of the day comment of the day, uh, we got a oh a homeopathic hit related to the lungs and coughing love those there's a bunch of them and I uh, some of my favorite remedies so there's your hint, uh, and in hour two Dr Henry Ely returns with uh, a cask well let's say a, a cavalcade the cavalry whatever they've got a big uh, court uh, let's say attempt through going through a grand jury to expose the entire fraud of COVID, what it really was versus what they told us it was. So schedule permitting uh, Dr. Henry Ely, Senator Linthicum from Oregon, Judge Nally, and Keith Wilkins will join us. A lot of folks on the show today. We'll see where we go. And you guys are here. So share the show, robertscabell.com slash listen for the chat room. And let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, back from a road trip with the kiddos. Uh, we had a nice, I call them kiddos. I mean, they're technically adults. Every time I say, just a kid, my daughter says, I'm an adult now, Dad. I'm like, yeah, don't rush me. I'll get there eventually. Uh, but a gr- uh, fun trip as well. I got to uh, go to the the Viewit Studios there in Las Vegas as well. And uh, it was a, a lot of fun meeting some great people, including some old friends, made some new friends too. And we'll have more on that as, uh, as things develop. Uh, but it was really great to, to be hanging out with the kids on our, on our road trip and uh, engaging an intelligent conversation with your adult kids. That's fun. That can be challenging too, but overall it was fun. And, and uh, what was fun too, we uh, found a moment to, you know, you know, I, I, I love the kickboxing, you know, that uh, I'm not just such a pugilistic that I want to go out and beat people up. That's not my purpose in doing it. It's for fitness. It's to strengthen the body that I've been given to honor that temple. And yet uh, I, I mostly go through my kickboxing routines with little or no injury other than being sore muscularly because I'm working out. And we decide the kids wanted to go bowling. So we go bowling Dip immediately. Ow, rotator cuff. And not bad, but enough that I, you know, I wanted to get some cold laser on it as well to recover and take some more arnica and stuff. But I find it funny the little things that you're not used to doing uh, can throw you off. 
even as simple as a bowling injury. Anyway, so here we are back on the Robert Scabell Show live. I hope you enjoyed the encore, Super Don Selected. Also, my buddy Rolf Christian Gabriel Mulleruri on our Sunday conversation, which challenges the bounds of reality with discussion points that, well, on Sundays, that's what I like to do. Just investigate, ask questions, learn about what people's experiences are. Some some of the people I bring to you I've known for years or decades or more. Others are new to me, and it's it's really it's an adventure for me to discover that. And there are a wide variety of experiences on planet Earth, if you haven't figured it out. No, the way you experience this planet is not the same as anybody else. And that's okay. Uh, so I hope you roll with me on those various interviews and topics. Because, you know, one of those topics might might rear its, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, a beautiful head or an ugly head or something in between. Because I talk about this opening uh, story here. If you go to robertscottbell.com, hopefully the, the website's working for you. The Brownstone Institute article is headlined, What is the Measure of True Freedom? Uh, author Michael J. Sutton from Down Under. What is the measure of true freedom? Now, that can bring up a lot of different answers for you, for me, for all of us. And in this case, uh, the author there, Michael Sutton, talks about the aboriginals in Australia, how they're treated, uh, what are the arguments from left, right, and center about what to do about it? And, you know, an acknowledgement of the history of planet Earth is about people conquering people. For as long as history has been recorded, perhaps longer, there's not a lot of evidence of peace on planet Earth. Now, this is, this could be, again, a great disappointment to you <laughs> looking back and go, wait, wait, peace has been the anomaly? <laughs> I saw... Uh, you know that comedian J.P. Sears? We still haven't had him on this show. I don't know what's up with that, but I'd love to get him on. But he he was talking about the Israel, Hamas, Palestinian stuff. And as I said right from the get-go, from the first day I started reporting on that in my own way, that there are no clean hands in this, in this world on these fronts called war. Uh, there's always a lineage that goes back a little further than the actual events, maybe a lot further. And the question is, which side you take is often motivated by your lineage or you know, maybe uh, it's convenient because, you know, it's the uh, it's the protest of the day and you want to be involved in that. Like many of the young people that don't know history and they they're just going outrage on one side, not the other. And the question is of being pro-war or anti-peace. So that was the J.P. Sears funny that he did. And it's funny, yet it's serious. The best humor is intellectually engaging and uh, there's a lot of evidence of truth in it, etc. And and so. Um, you know, I look at this piece asking about what is the measure of true freedom. And we can always go back a generation or two or three or 10 or a hundred and find out there was somebody living where you are before you got there. And the question is, what do you do with that knowledge once you figure that out? If we go into our own history in the United States of America, you have the uh, colonialists from Britain, Great Britain, colonizing the Americas. Of course, there were others that colonized it, too, including the French, the Dutch, and on and on it goes. And we go, okay, the Native Americans known as American Indians at some point or uh, people of Turtle Island. There are a lot of things that can be uh, acknowledged to be called. Some self-proclaimed others are being named by others that conquer it. But there's always that. In Europe, you can go back far enough and realize the so-called European people there are also displacing others that were there before that. And we can go to other parts of the world. Asia, various parts of Asia and Africa. And you'll find that throughout the history of planet Earth, it's always been 
uh, a history of warfare and conquest. Now, that's not me endorsing that, oh, man, since we've always been that way, let's keep going. But an acknowledgement that if you are engaged in the protest and outrage of the day of who took over what land now and who's what people were displaced, uh, where does it end is the is the question. You, you lose and and then what? You hope you're treated fairly. You hope you're assimilated into the new thing as opposed to being slaughtered, killed, enslaved, imprisoned for life. And if I get into just the controversy of of Israel and all that brought Israel about on this planet in the 20th century, of course, a lot of biblical prophecy, maybe people taking advantage of biblical prophecy for political expedience. We've talked about and I've talked about extensively the globalists that like to shake up the, the red ants and the black ants in the jar so that they're always at war and we don't pay attention to what the globalists are doing. As I've said, in, in the case of my mom growing up in Palestine that became Israel, people got along just, just fine on the localist of local level, Jews, Christians, Muslims, Arabs, etc., until they were shook up by the globalists. And then suddenly war, war, conquest, conquest. And then you have that successful conquest on one side, a defeat on the other. And when when in history do you find that the, those who have conquested, if you will, have you given back any land or have assimilated those folks and allowed them to have the freedom that those in the, that country also enjoy? I'm just asking the question. This might raise anger and issue, anger issues for various uh, viewpoints. But I look at uh, what we've done here, let's say, in the United States of America. Do we have a perfect history after the conquest? Like many people that are in America right now that have either immigrated here or were born here can track lineage back and have nothing to do with the conquest by the British. Many don't have any lineage going back to that. Yet, what are we to say to those people who are here? You are required to give back the land you live on to the Native Americans that were here before you, even though you had nothing to do with this conquest. You just happen to show up now because you like the way it is today, or you like it better than other places around the world. The freedom that was represented by an American experiment in governance that was quite different than any other in the history of mankind. Now, I also bring up the controversial issue of reincarnation from time to time on this show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not to convince you of it, just to say, hey, posit this thought. The people that, you know, are condemned today for doing horrible things maybe are going to be condemned to have to receive a little bit of those horrible things done to them in another life or lifetime, whether it's here or elsewhere. Karma, cause of law, the law of cause and effect, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. Now, it may manifest based on your belief differently in terms of you'll burn in hell eternally or you'll, in a, you'll be in a purgatory or at some other level you'll be judged or in some various views, including in Christianity, early Christianity, there was a view and Judaism too, uh, a view that, yeah, you live more than one lifetime. And I bring that up in context of karmic burdens, the debt that has to be repaid. And you find that those who were involved in Nazi-like atrocities who are no longer alive on this planet may now be born into families where they're on the receiving end of the atrocities that they engaged in, in terms of terminating the life of Jews, gypsies, gays, you know, where they came for the trade unionists, the communists. You've heard uh, the, the story many times. But a continuity. Now, again, whether you believe it happens multiple times on this planet or happens in some other realm of existence, 
I'm not here to argue with you and your belief. I just throw that out as a more, uh, let's say, comprehensive view of how we get to learn to become better, more godlike, Christ-like, however you want to say it, in terms of our behavior, where we are loving and forgiving and compassionate and filled with charity, et cetera, for those who are in need, as opposed to uh, pawning it off on a government that would then consolidate power and deceive you into believing that it's a charitable organization. You know, the idea of socialism, oh, it's so nice and kind because it cares for everybody. Everybody's equal, except some are more equal than others. Read Animal Farm. You'll see where this is going. And it's happening in America as well. So the treatment of people that you've conquered if you will. And, and it, I'm not saying you or me conquered it. Maybe if you believe that you were here doing the conquering, but maybe you were the conquered and you're back for a different experience. And so the idea of the measure of true freedom, I, I guess it'd be about how, how are you treating those who used to be the predominant force and population and they're limited in scope and scale and numbers now? Are they treated as decimated conquered people or they brought in and say hey you're now one of us you might not have wanted to be your ancestors might not have wanted to be but that's where we are what do you do now or do you long and pine for the way it was and you try desperately even through terroristic means to get back what you thought you have which you might not even know isn't actually what you had because of the rewriting of history erasing history rewriting it so we have a different perspective of what went on that isn't even accurate And here's where my appeal goes back to the spiritual, that you develop and strengthen that deep relationship to the divine. That is your true origin point and begin to ask these questions in sincerity and look in the mirror with open eyes, ears, heart to learn even that which is uncomfortable, that which challenges our current belief system about we thought what we knew was true. It turns out we were deceived and we were lied to. And therefore, our worldview is corrupted by those who erased and rewrote the history books on any or many levels. And now you might say, well, isn't that you just copping out because you don't want to take sides? No, you've heard me. I've I've taken sides, if you will. Although I hope that the side that I take is a deeper side of recognition of what's gone on as close to a 360 degree viewpoint as you can possibly or humanly get, which is not easy because that's kind of an omniscient place of, of God-like capacity or ability. Now, those of you who are spiritual, uh, you know, you love God with all your heart. You may in humility approach the divine and say, Hey, please can give me guidance or help me to be open to your guidance so I can see beyond often the divisiveness of A versus B, you know, or fill in the blanks there and go deeper. Now that'll piss off the A's and the B's because then you become more uh, libertarian neutrality. Not that you're endorsing bad behavior, but you don't also want to engage in the wholesale slaughter by supporting one over the other. It's, It's a difficult thing, even knowing that one of them slaughtered innocence. And then the other goes, we're going to come back and we're not going to try to, eh, that's going to happen too. So there's always going to be some, dare I say, unfortunate outcomes, collateral damage. And then the question is of continuity in terms of the the order of the universe. Is there, despite the obvious injustice that occurs before our eyes within our own government, and we'll talk about it next hour with Dr. Henry Ely and his crew coming on, taking on a, a grand jury to try to bring about charges against those who have perpetrated a crime against humanity, 
that is unprecedented almost in terms of pulling the wool over our eyes about a virus that wasn't a virus that was absolutely engineered to create havoc. And even the thing that would create havoc was not the real death blow. It was the response to it in terms of destroying the freedom of the people to be secure without forced injections, experimental injections, forced separation, shutting down of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, practice, etc., to wear masks, to distance, to destroy whole economies, to bring people under control of globalists so that they pull the strings on your uh, supposed representatives. They become the puppet masters you don't acknowledge. So what are we to do with all of this knowledge? Give up and go, it's all too much? Or do we dive deeper into that relationship with the divine and hopefully see the wisdom in all of creation, not to ignore injustice, but also to recognize there are things, there is lineage, there's cause and effect, there's karmic relationships that you don't necessarily want to interfere with directly, but perhaps indirectly, it's not interference that you inspire those to forgive, to go beyond. That's not to uh, abandon holding those who are criminal accountable, which is seemingly what the political left has done to great disaster, but to recognize there's a continuity well beyond what we see by our very own eyes within one lifetime. And again, that asks for, I believe, a spiritual maturity that maybe we're not ready for in terms of consciousness, human consciousness on this planet, the warring planet that it's been, that we've existed on for so long. And you look back in history, do we give up or do we say it's by design, but I want to try and do better. I want to help others to do better. And how do we do that? By force, by deception, by fraud, by mandate? Or do we try to be living examples for others to inspire them to live more in line with what we would call godly principles? So what is the measure of true freedom? I'll bring up uh, Richard Mayberry's books, one particular one, Whatever Happened to Justice. I think it's a great book that you should read with your kids growing up if you haven't done, the, done so already. And he boiled down the various world religions and things and found out, hey, is there anything that they have in common for instance, that we can all agree on. And, and it is very liberty and libertarian minded, not party politics, but just, uh, se I think it was 17 words. If I, if I do the math wrong, I apologize. Do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or their property. It's kind of a golden rule scenario. I don't know that we live up to that often, but I think that uh, the desire to be better is not to wait for others to do it first. It's for you to do it first is for me to do it first and to do it more consistently as we go, not less so. And it takes discipline, it takes tenacity, and it takes um, a lot of grace and forgiveness and love. So what is the measure of true freedom? Love, patience, forgiveness, many of the virtues that you've read about, heard about from the great philosophers, much less the religious leaders throughout history. And I will pause there and bring it into a domestic discussion of freedom with my friends from the National Health Freedom Coalition in just a moment. I want to bring Super Don in here real quick just to say hello and welcome back to the live show, Super D. Thanks for keeping things going over the weekend while I was road tripping with my kids. Hello. Hello. How are Man you? of few words. Yes. Yeah, yesterday I thought, hey, let's play the uh, the episode with John Gusty that we mm -hmm. had such a good time with just, you know, talking with him. That was a freedom discussion, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was. And music. We talked yeah, music too, which right. was fun. But uh, could, always yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. 
So the measure so. of true freedom real quick. want to say thanks to our friends and you're putting together a special place on the website, robertscabell.com for all the, the, they call the holiday deals, the black Friday deals, different things, yeah. special offers. Um, and you know, we're still migrating the website. Darn it. We thought by Friday and the guy's doing it. He was apologetic. He really intended to, so he's working on it. Uh, but hopefully you can still access robertscabell.com. You can see you can't write at the moment. But. No, it's it's a little bit of a struggle today. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! But oh, well. um, say suffice it to say, I want to say thanks to Trinity School of Natural Health, providing body, mind, spirit education. Really extraordinary coursework, classwork. We get to feature a lot of the graduates over the, over the years here, and it's just so much fun to let you know there's a path to healing that doesn't involve uh, debt and poison. Just saying, trinityschool.org. Also, uh, Nutritional Frontier has been great supporters of ours, and uh, they have tremendous products. In fact, as a reminder, if you want to build strong, healthy muscles, put on some some good muscle weight, lean body mass. Check out their Super Creatine Anabolic uh, Kiwi. Oh, it's an anabolic activator, advanced, but it's a comprehensive formula, and I've been utilizing it. And boy, oh boy, look out, big and bad I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> anyway, thank you. And thank humble. You and Memorable. very humble. And yes. use the code RSB15. RSB15 will get you there. <laughs> so you see how it is when I don't do a live show on, on Monday. I just have a lot to un, un, unburden myself. Unpack, with. yeah. A lot yeah, to unpack, unpack after in this article. And, you know, this is what I said in this article about this article is only a little bit of it, what's in it. But it, what it inspired me to cover is is all me or maybe it's all you if you guys dig it. And I appreciate that. If you share the show, that'd be kind of you. So anything else I forgot? Because no. I Let's jump, let's jump right into our interview. Our guest, uh, Stephen yeah. O'Connor, he is working with the National Health Freedom Coalition, uh, working for uh, health rights in America. Our friend Diane Miller, who's like family to me, and because he's part of it, he's like family to me, too. Diane's under the weather, and we wish her well in recovery. I think it's just a temporary thing. And uh, Stephen joins us now on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Stephen, welcome back. Good afternoon, Robert. It's great to be here. And um uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to speak with you. I'm really glad that you had freedom as your uh, theme of introduction because our groups are all about self-determination and healthcare. So, you know, personal freedom and, and uh, medical freedom. It would seem to be that would not be a controversial topic in America, really. But it's become one of the, goes gr the greatest, most intense controversies of the last few years, in particular, the freedom to not be molested by medicine, injections. And a significant portion of people that used to be for freedom and freedom of choice suddenly became uh, for uh, censorship and ownership of your body by government, compliance, even shutting down religious freedom. It's astonishing what's happened in the past few years. And all of that is what inspired me to join the health freedom movement as an attorney. Uh, my background was uh, included criminal defense. But once this, as soon as COVID hit and they said two weeks, you know, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I could have predicted everything from there, you know, just based on the way our, our government and world seems to operate. So back in about two and a half years or two plus years ago, I joined the organization largely motivated by this COVID regime. I live in San Francisco, California, and it's- Oh my, it, they just it, cleaned it up for you, by the way, I heard. I know, well, I grew up here and oh, I've got family. Otherwise I may make a run for it. But yeah, the, the mind control around 
COVID and the vaccine and the masking was just incredibly powerful in this, you know, this liberal city. Yeah, it just it turned what we thought of the left-right uh, political agendas upside down, inside out. It, it made made a kind of a mess of what you thought you knew, right? And everybody uh, was confused and is confused. And part of that confusion is utilized, I think, to throw us off the course or off the track of the trail of the authoritarians that might come from the left or the right. Absolutely. And a lot of, you know, a lot of left wing people I know who generally used to be very suspicious of big corporate pharma and big government, you know, somehow they got brainwashed to to believe that our government is, you know, 100 percent here to help us, which the facts don't seem to show. No, his history uh, is riddled, and in, in, I say riddled, it's, it's rife with examples of when you rely on the government to protect rights, you end up with no rights. You, in fact, end up enslaved. And uh, the political left in our lifetime, Stephen, I think we're in the same generation. Uh, we grew up on a lot of the same things. The political left used to be not trustful of the man, right? It, it rebelled against it. And I don't know if there was a naivete or an opportunism in that regard. Even when it comes to issues of peace and war, uh, the left became, uh, you know, fraud. Uh, you know, for the war making machinery as much as the neocon right did. So there was no distinction anymore. It isn't enough to say I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I need to know you, who you are and what you're all about by your track record throughout history. That's why I support my friend Jonathan Emord, who, you know, one of the most profound uh, principled men in defense of individual liberty, who's running for the United States Senate uh, in Virginia to defeat Tim Kaine, a Hillary Clinton lackey, just as an example. But it's not so much that he's running as a Republican, which he is, but we know him as a human being and his principled stance. And I think we need to break through the labels often, like Bobby Kennedy, interestingly enough, running now as an independent. What is that man all about? What is his lifetime all about? And I think we need to look more than just the superficial. Absolutely. So did you want to touch on uh, homeopathy today and what's going on? In that yes, arena. yeah. Diane Miller has done a, a beautiful video piece on the regulations of homeopathy, the threats to homeopathy by the regulatory uh, of, of schemes in government. Uh, and I, I know we wanted her here to talk about it, but I know you can cover some of what she did. And we have, we have the video for everybody to watch. We'll be embedded in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. So let's start there today is what's going on in the world of homeopathy as uh, as a homeopath. Very concerned. Right. Yeah. And to reiterate what you just said, uh, Ms. Miller did do a really thorough overview, you know, put out October of this year of the history and status and what's, you know, what what we need to do regarding homeopathic remedies. So as you said, that, that should be in the show description. And I would really encourage anybody that wants a deeper dive to uh, give this video a listen. Um, and so I'll just start in with that, you know, we've had many decades and years of uh, gray areas as far as remedies go. And then in December of last year, uh, FDA did a new guidance, which basically uh, kind of threw down the gauntlet and, and, and launched this current, you know, kind of crisis in terms of what's going to happen because they had basically been deprioritizing any uh, enforcement about homeopathic remedies, which I, you know, you, we can, which is really based on their safety and the fact that there's not a danger. But in December, they did put out this guidance, you know, reiterating and and 
focusing on the fact that there are no, in their view, no approved homeopathic remedies. And so since then they have been, you know, sending letters to some of the big retailers, uh, threatening letters about uh, particular remedies. And in general, the, you know, the momentum is, is very scary right now. Now our group uh, and Ms. Miller, we've drafted uh, two different uh, ways to change the law, uh, one longer and one shorter, but that would basically put the OTC or over-the-counter homeopathic remedies in a similar or analogous category to supplements, which, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, supplements are considered food and not drugs. But with supplements, we have this concept of generally regarded as safe, and so what our proposed changes to the law would do is use that generally regarded as safe uh, analysis for um, the over-the-counter uh, homeopathic remedies. Now, our group, you know, a lot of our, our probably biggest focus is not on national issues, but helping state level activists to draft and uh, pass health freedom laws. But we do, we are involved to a degree in national issues as shown by this, uh, this home, homeopathy issue. So I know uh, Diane and our group, we've been working closely with national groups that do have uh, lobbyists in Washington to impact, you know, the, the discussion and hopefully the outcome. And um, I know, and also the, the video we discussed from Diane that's been circulating with the other homeopath, with the specifically homeopathic uh, focused groups. And so there's just a lot of education going on. And, you know, recently there was an attempt to at least buy a year's time by prohibiting uh, funds being spent on regulating homeopathy. That would at least give us a year to 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 change the law. Yeah. Um, but so right now we're you know it's been a gray area for a long time, and it's it's you know the time is now for action on homeopathy. Stephen, what would you ascribe the motivation of the regulators or those who are urging regulators to limit or even ban homeopathic remedies? Because it can't be safety in the entire history of homeopathy. It's it's got to be the safest medicine on planet Earth. Uh, in terms of toxicity issues. So what would be a motivating factor here? Well, I, you know, I can think of two kind of opposite things. On the one hand, there's just the, the pace of bureaucracy. So it may just be that, you know, they never got to it. And, and um, but philosophically speaking, you know, personally, I think it's, you know, more attempts to control us and to limit our, uh, our personal autonomy in terms of healthcare. I mean, in, you know, in the COVID uh, era, they never said, you know, lose some weight or take some vitamin D, or they never said anything to affect the terrain that you're offering to this, you know, this uh, apparent pathogen. So, mm -hmm. so philosophically speaking, I think that, the, you know, the, the, the system, as we call it, you know, that includes the federal government, it doesn't want us healthy. It doesn't want us to have freedom to make choice. It wants us locked into a, a quote unquote official medical system, which as we've seen the last three years is 
really, really uh, messed up. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing, of course, is the regulatory capture of the fact that our uh, various agencies and, and high up government officials, elected and non-elected, have been captured by an industry that wants no competition. Uh, remember, uh, was it Rockefeller that was quoted as saying competition is a sin, right? And then he established the Flexner Report through his money and Carnegie Foundation money to establish monopolies, which is, uh, of course, the an- antithesis of freedom in any any given uh, arena. Monopoly does not result in innovation, lower prices, etc. It results in the opposite. So we have, again, a regulatory scheme that has been captured, the structure has been captured, and it's entirely, as you point out, anti freedom of choice in reality the people might decide hey you know what we'd like to do something like uh, not use a drug or, a, or an injection to get well and that can't be and i argued that obamacare which would became to be known in 2010 ironically happened a hundred years to the year of the flexner report of 1910 which would further solidify a monopoly on what insurance coverage of what homeopathy no only allopathic methods medicines to the elimination of all competition at that point. And uh, they failed at that, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that they've given up trying. So we must also step up to the plate and defend our rights. And again, the, the National Health Freedom Coalition, National Health Freedom Action, Diane Miller and you and others there, Julie Boris, I know many of my friends that have been involved over the years are doing great work to alert us, as well as we also have friends at the Alliance for Natural Health US, and uh, there are a lot of folks, and I think we're in the majority in terms of people that actually utilize natural remedies in medicine, including homeopathy. It's, a, it's not that we're in a minority, although we've been silent for too long. So what other things can we do? You talked about the right to refuse. We have that linked up as well on a state level basis. There's a lot of things that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Right to refuse, that is a project of our group. Uh, it's at righttorefuse.org, and it basically is an interactive uh, map of the United States, as we can see, where you can click on a state and see what uh, what laws have passed and what have been proposed. Basically, and these we're on this website, we're tracking any laws that affect uh, your ability to uh, refuse a vaccine, a mask, or other intervention. Uh, and other closely related state laws. And so I believe it's, um, I believe it's yeah, 29 states so far have passed 84 bills that fit in that right to refuse category. And there's been some really creative work by all these different state activists, uh, such as laws that would require, uh, such as laws that would require um, uh, uh, vaccination status in autopsies. I believe that was, uh, I'm trying to remember what state that was. Um, and also, uh, Texas had a really good law a couple years back to require reporting of the PCR uh, cycle number in, mm-hmm. in these COVID tests because that was a big issue where. You know, we didn't seem to be acting very scientific in the way these tests were done, you know, early on in the the pandemic era. Yeah, it is a a fascinating thing. There are legal challenges on on many of these things. In fact, next hour with Dr. Henry Ely, we're going to be talking about one attempt to, you know, go through a grand jury uh, to investigate and perhaps bring charges on those who colluded. Uh, RICO acts, et cetera, on the deception that was COVID. So many of the things we learned about COVID only after the fact 
you know, prove that those of us who are speaking out against the narrative were correct, were right. And then we're we're called or accused of misinformation, disinformation and malinformation, where it turns out most all of it was coming from official government sources and or the media that parroted uh, press releases from Big Pharma that profited to the tune of not just billions, but trillions, apparently. Yeah, absolutely. The the financial incentives were horrible, especially even in also, you know, as far as the hospital conduct and how they were compensated, the, the whole thing was just a complete disaster. And yeah. it does it doesn't look like very many people want the new, you know, improved COVID vaccine, which is a good sign. Yeah, was it the three percent uptake right at the last time we reported on it? And I found that so ironic because all the years I've been broadcasting, I'm about to enter my 24th year, I believe. That's right. Yeah, 24 years. Uh, I, w- I recognize that maybe 3% of us had any questions about vaccines prior to this or completely refused all of them like I did and my family did. But uh, since I had kids, of course. Uh, so it really is the flip that couldn't have been predicted, except that by pushing so hard on these mandates, they did it to themselves. We didn't have the power or numbers to, to push back on, uh, you know, a vaccine disinformation coming from the government. And now they've revealed it by their behavior. Right. And as an attorney, you know, I'm really proud that uh, there are thousands. It, it appears of hundreds, if not thousands of lawsuits pending all over the United States. And there are a lot of attorneys have stepped up to uh, litigate on these cases. And, you know, last year I went to this COVID litigation conference and there are just a lot of really high powered attorneys, a lot of corporate attorneys that's, that kind of dropped out to, to fight the COVID regime. And there are lawsuits against everybody from, you know, DOD, Pfizer, you know, uh, employers, schools, they're, you know, the 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 bar of the united states the the trial attorneys have really stepped up and are doing some really good work which is you know what that system is for to correct injustices so the other thing but on that line it's unclear you know when when is our country going to finally wake up to Mm -hmm. you know what was done to us and uh you know kind of snap out of it that the the hypnosis that, you know, total information control that we had facing us, you know, with, you know, for a long time, but especially since COVID hit. Yeah. The worst of uh, what we call conspiracy theorists, uh, we're all right. You know, even things, uh, Super Don and I were going, "Mm, I wonder if that, yeah, oh, that turned out to be right too. And yet uh, I think uh, a clear litmus is if you are trying to censor someone, uh, I, I think that the fear is that somebody might investigate something you don't want investigated. The people right. in the center are never the good guys in history. Right. And the sen- on the freedom topic, the censorship around COVID has been really, really intense, you know, in terms of there was re- it's on hold now due to the Supreme Court. But, you know, a court recently decided that the Biden administration should be banned from talking to uh, social media firms in terms of telling them what it should or should not be allowed. It's as sort of an end run around the First Amendment. And there are a lot of other approaches that are being taken to protect free speech. Um, my brother has a, a news site called Trial Site News, 
And he got a call some time ago from Robert F. Kennedy asking if he wanted to be a plaintiff along with Kennedy in a, in a creative case, not suing the government for censorship, mm-hmm. but what they're doing is suing the trusted news initiative made up of right. Washington Post, BBC, etc., on the theory of antitrust, that if big players in a particular market get together to decide which smaller players should be allowed to participate, then you have a civil uh, antitrust case. And once again, we're not in that in in that scenario. They're not saying that the government did anything wrong or trying to, to show state action. It's just straight up antitrust, which is ironic because it's the allegedly the trusted news initiative <laughs> and, and several entities similar to that were set up during COVID to that in this kind of gray area between government and, and press to limit, you know, what is allowed to be said mm-hmm. and things that were at, things that are now considered likely true, such as the lab origin of of COVID-19 were actually banned early on. Yeah, so we know we've been deplatformed on a number of places, including YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn and various times we've been banned and then brought back. But the idea that in America, that that would be tolerated at all is astonishing, but it shows how far we've strayed from our uh, principles of origin in terms of freedom here in America. And if they can get Americans to abandon freedom, who, who can't they get to abandon freedom? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the antitrust uh, issue, is it easier to target these private news organizations in collusion in such a way than it is to attack the government and and their claims of sovereign immunity? I do think it I think that it does cut. It makes it simpler and less. Yeah, less difficult to succeed in court because you you do have the sovereign immunity. But you also have, you know, when, when the government is not. You know, when they're when they're kind of slyly influencing the speech on the side or with, you know, nudging here and nudging there, you know, it's it's not a court won't necessarily find that there's been government action. Um, but another theory that that, you know, the attorney, the litigating attorneys in the field are looking at is, you know, are these social media firms, are they, you know, what we call a common carrier? or informally you could call public utility such that they should not be able to discriminate. So there are lots of folks working to try to change the the state of our uh, social media infrastructure and Mm -hmm. media infrastructure so that the first amendment would actually be applicable. Right. I, I, I certainly feel, and I've argued that we are dealing with what we call the electronic town square. absolutely much of the speech that would normally occur in a a local community that was protected always uh kind of transferred itself out into the only place we were allowed to congregate at a time when covid was shutting down that ability to meet with one another and yet to claim that it's not a common carrier in that sense i think uh, i don't know if anybody's challenged it fully yet uh, but that's something i would think congress or you know someone like jonathan eboard would take on in the senate Right. And there is, you know, there's interesting case law around like a company town. If a company sets up a little town that functions as a regular town and has streets that look like regular streets, that the First Amendment can be applicable, even though it's, you know, a private actor. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, fascinating journey we're on. And uh, Stephen, I'm glad you're on it with us. And I appreciate you uh, stepping in for Diane Miller. Let her know we're thinking about her. We send her our love and prayers as well. But uh, it sounds like it's just a minor hiccup, you know, in terms of like uh, more than a sniffle, but less than anything serious. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, just to quickly mention a couple other issues that, that you know, that we're focused on. If anybody uh, has any interest in helping pass laws in their states around uh, what we call safe harbor, the right, that's the right of alternative healers to work without being charged with being a doctor. And also these right to refuse laws around protecting uh, from uh, various mandates. You know, our group, one of our main things is helping state activists. So if, if you're a state activist or a state resident who wants to see some health freedom laws uh, uh, brought into bear in your state, please reach out to our group and, and we'll see what we can do to help you. And, and I would really encourage everyone to take a look at uh, Ms. Miller's homeopathy video because I kind of started in just December of last year, but she goes through the long history and, and gives what's a very fairly complicated topic when you're dealing with FDA laws mm-hmm. uh, and makes it, uh, you know, um, understandable, She's makes great it at that. accessible yeah. and understandable. Yeah. So I would highly recommend that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Diane has been a stalwart champion for decades now. And uh, Stephen, you're a, a friend now to this as well. And I'm grateful that you're helping out at the National Health Freedom Coalition, National Health Freedom Action. We have those linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. And uh, hopefully everybody becomes a member or just supports the organization as to your point. And there it is, National Health Freedom Coalition. It's linked up. You can see it there, nationalhealthfreedom.org. Uh, but you'll also see that what uh, Stephen has said about you have a state level action that you want to help put into play. Diane and Stephen and others there are actually willing to help you out and they're not charging thousands of dollars. Now, in fact, they're not charging anything to do it. it. It's amazing the help that I've I've talked to many groups around the states to help provide safe harbor legislation, uh, right to refuse legislation, other things, uh, genetic uh, protection acts as well. And, and the pollination goes both ways and all ways. And the hub of that spoke wheel is the National Health Freedom Coalition, uh, Stephen. So thank you for all your efforts. Thank you. Thank you so much. Good to see you, my friend. And say hello to Diane and the crew up there as well. Uh, We've got a lot more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Uh, Next hour, Dr. Henry Ely and uh, a cast of uh, amazing folks looking to take on uh, all the bad guys. If it wants another strategy by getting a, a grand jury to convene over the issues of COVID fraud and everything else that encompasses. And uh, Dr. Ely will help me navigate that with the crew next hour. And you can see them listed at robertscatbell.com. We do have a comment of the day. We also have a homeopathic hit. Uh, I think I have time to hit the, yeah, let's hit the comment of the day, Super Don. First, let's talk about this. This came in from Doreen and she's one of our patron supporters. Uh, as little as five bucks a month to help us do our thing and even pay the bill to transfer or migrate our website away from GoDaddy, where we're more likely to be banned to another site that won't. Uh, and I appreciate all of you that do that. And even if you can't or won't or don't, just share the show. That helps us. A lot of people don't know we're still the best kept secret in health talk media. So this is Dear Robert and Super D. This presentation was amazing. What she's referring to is a presentation I gave 
uh, thanks to Susie's invitation uh, from Healing Strong. This is a group that's 10 years old. And I was at the first one and at the 10 year anniversary. And she wanted me to present on a topic I'd never fully presented on. And, and that was talking about the various forms of medicine available and various forms of doctors available to you in America from naturopaths, homeopaths, allopathic naturopaths, traditional naturopaths, uh, medical doctors, DOs, DCs, all of that. And in addition to the other things I love to share with you. And so it was quite a unique hour long presentation and uh, they were kind enough to give it to us so I can make it available first to our patron supporters as a thank you for really supporting us. And that's what uh, Doreen is referencing. So I'll now read this and you guys can decide if you want to become patrons and see it as well. Uh, go ahead full screen on that one for me so I can read it easier. Uh, it says, Tom and I have heard bits and pieces of your presentation throughout all of three years, plus that we have listened to your show as well as during presentations and panels that you have given during the Trinity Health Freedom Expos. This is the most comprehensive presentation that I have seen to date. Thank you for sharing it with your Patreon supporters, Doreen. So Doreen, thank you to you and your husband, Tom, for supporting us. And it's the least I could do to give back a little bit. There, there are some of the, the clips on it, going back through the history of even homeopathy, the foundation of the AMA, but also to acknowledge the corruption of the various uh, natural medicine options, including homeopathy and naturopathy and chiropractic. And so, yeah, it's a, it was a headlong deep dive. And uh, I think it, I, after I gave it, I was like, whoa, I never really did that before. So I appreciate that acknowledgement. And for those of you who'd like to tap into that, it's available free for those who are already part of our patron support group. Or if you'd like to become part of it, we also do monthly Zoom AMAs uh, where you can ask me anything in Superdon. And we have a great community to help one another out. And that's happening once a month in Superdon. We have the date selected for the uh, uh, November version. I think it's going to be a Wednesday evening for the first time. We've never done that. We usually flip it between a Saturday day and a, and a weekday evening. And so if you can check the calendar and let me know what the date is, and then we'll do the homeopathic hit of the day. How about Wednesday, mm -hmm. the 29th? Wednesday, the 29th. So it's after Thanksgiving this year. We'll do it. It'll be 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific after our live broadcast. And uh, it's a two-hour meeting, and we give away a lot of fun stuff because the sponsors are generous. And you usually walk away, many of you, with more than you've actually donated to us. It's kind of cool <laughs> to be able to do that, and I'm grateful that I can. So please consider joining us there as well. And uh, say thanks to those who have uh, you know, supported our message of health, freedom, and healing liberty for many years, or if you're new to it including the uh, the relaxed saunas now that we have 100 bucks off there there's going to be kind of a black friday deal coming up so pay attention to that super don will put it up at robert's it's under it's act i'm working on it now it's under the okay. more tab okay uh, on the website you'll see it'll it'll say black friday specials um and there's a couple couple on there and i'll be adding to them as they come my way so i mm -hmm. think currently there's a couple of really cool specials going on with uh, the sovereign silver and the sovereign copper where they're bundled together yeah and yeah. boy oh boy do we need copper People have been taking so much zinc and vitamin C, driving their copper stores lower and lower, and that's problematic for a lot of reasons. In addition to the fact that the soils contain a fraction of the copper they once did, people don't eat liver, which was the primary source of dietary copper. Even though I eat bee pollen, I still take the sovereign copper every day, and I highly recommend you, you look into that. Uh, you can get that from choosetobehealthy.com as well. Our friend Jonathan, who carries a lot of 100% whole food nutrients that we utilize here on the show. And at home, and Super Don does with his wife, as well as kids and grandkids. So there. Mm -hmm. Now, we do from time to time, in fact, more than often we do it than we don't, when we're live and there's a new show. They're called homeopathic hits, and we count them down each and every day when we're live here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. 
playing all of the homeopathic hits every day, right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And no extra charge. It's free, including the PDF of each day's homeopathic hit. Today, Antimonium Tartaricum. Sounds delicious with fish and chips, doesn't it? Well, no, that's not what it's for. It's a homeopathic remedy, one of my favorites for lung issues, for coughing issues. And uh, there's a downloadable PDF uh, available. And again, thanks to Nutritional Frontiers and Trinity for supporting us in this regard. The homeopathic hit of the day, Antimonium Tartaricum, the remedy often known for respiratory congestion and skin ailments. And this is, uh, again, a brief overview to get you less intimidated to open up a Materia Medica and dive deeper. And we're going to go through a few of these uh, conditions and symptoms that Antimonium Tartaricum is indicated for. Don't be intimidated. You can do it. Let's scroll down here and you can follow along and you can download the free PDF of this document and study it at your leisure. Now, it's derived from tartar, tartar or tartar emetic, a compound of antimony potassium tartrate. In homeopathy, it's used in a highly diluted form, which is used to help treat various health issues, especially those involving the respiratory system and some focus on skin health. When we talk about physical characteristics, remember, this is not all encompassing. It's just a brief hit for you to start. Antimonium tartaricum or ant tart for short. I always thought that was funny. You're thinking like, well, what kind of tart do we want today? Let's put ants on our tarts. No, it's antimonium tartaricum. And it's derived again uh, and utilized for a lot of lung issues often like bronchitis, pneumonia. When they say there's nothing you can do but antibiotics, they're lying to you or they're deceptive because they don't know or they refuse to acknowledge that homeopathic medicine is even real because they're materialistic, reductionist, collectivist, communist. Don't let them sway you from taking the option that you have even though they're trying to take it away from you of homeopathy. Oftentimes there's a burning sensation in the chest, which often can ascend to the throat. Even you can have rapid, short, difficult breathing and even skin eruptions like pustular skin eruptions. And here's where I could say, I didn't choose this as a, as a complementary medicine or remedy. Antimonium tartaricum could be complemented if it's a skin issue with hepar sulfur calcarium, but We'll put that aside for a moment. Don't want to overwhelm you mentally. Individuals needing ant tart may exhibit vertigo alternating drowsiness and despondency so that that could give you an indication of its use as well primary use is once again effective for dealing with wet rattling coughs where there's a lot of mucus but a difficult time getting it out okay i know that's gross but it's not coming out stuck it's like it's there so antimonium tartaricum skin ailments Pustular eruptions, acne, especially when there's a lot of itching and burning. So we go down from here in the potency section. Uh, low potencies can be 6X, 10X, 12X, 12C, 30C, more acute response, respiratory issues, skin issues, if it's not too severe. If you want to go to the higher potencies, I, I'd advise consulting with someone who's worked with them for you or with you. Another set of complementary remedies includes my favorite remedy of all time is Bryonia Alba. It's a liver polycrest, but also works with the lungs and coughing if respiratory systems persist with dryness and irritability. Sulfur is a great remedy known as the king of remedies for skin issues. Although, as I've pointed out, because it's become much more complicated in an environment that is much more toxic and we're much more deficient than at the time of early Hanumanian years at the, the dawn of homeopathy, sulfur may not work as well as it once did. And also spongia or spongia tosta, which we have had as a homeopathic hit of the day when respiration is shallow, sometimes with antart, it can be antimonium tartaricum as well. Although the cough in spongia is more dry and croupy. So maybe it transitions from the wet cough to a dry cough and then both Bryonia and spongia can be helpful here. So you have a little bit more insight into how you can help yourself without 
a homeopath. Oh my gosh, the outrage out there among the homeopathic community. Well, look, there are not enough homeopaths to go around and there probably never will be. So I'm encouraged to bring the power to heal back to you where it belongs. And that is including the use safely of these homeopathic remedies. So please avoid self-prescribing for chronic or severe conditions. And if symptoms worsen or persist, please consult a a healthcare professional that knows what they're doing in this regard. Now, in conclusion, and kind of a reminder, I want to beat it into you. And then you can use Arnica if I bruise you. No, I'm not beating anything into you. I'm just reminding you. Antimonium tartaricum, versatile as they are, homeopathic remedy, particularly effective for respiratory congestion and skin ailments. Please keep tuning in to the Robert Scott Bell Show and sharing it for more powerful homeopathic hits. Remember, this is not to replace a doctor if you want one or have one or to diagnose, prevent, cure, you know, all of that stuff. It's about information, education, informed choice fully informed decisions you want to make them i want you to have them so thank you for being here on the robert scott bell show as we wrap up hour one gosh i got a i get an all-star panel coming up and i don't even know i'm going to have dr henry ely help me introduce everybody next hour because this crew is amazing i call them a wrecking crew but for good because they're going after the bad guys through a grand jury we're going to talk with Dr. Henry Ely, Senator Linthicum, Judge Nally, and Keith Wilkins next hour, if all goes well and they all connect uh, just right. Uh, but before we get there, I've got to talk about preventing healers from becoming killers. Yeah, there's an article in The Lancet about that. Are they going after homeopaths or allopaths? Hmm, I wonder. You wonder no longer, because when we're back, I'm going to talk about it and a whole lot more on The Robert Scott Bell Show, robertscottbell.com, where I remind you simply that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show. Okay, prepare for a wild ride this hour on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a lot to cover, including another strategy to take on the bad guys who have deceived planet Earth and many of the people on it uh, about COVID, what it is, and what to do about it. And uh, who's leading the charge? My pal, my buddy, Dr. Henry Ely, will be joining us in just a few minutes. And, uh, you know, what I keep saying about Dr. Ely is I only wish I knew him 10, 20, 30 years ago because he's so amazing. I mean, just an immediate affinity with this guy. And I could just, hang out with him from now till whenever he's like a brother already. And uh, that doesn't always happen this lifetime, but when it does, you appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate him and the energetic health Institute and more. So we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, first up uh, an article here. Oh, by the way, I, I want to uh, do a quick shout out to my buddy, Bobby Oren. Uh, those of you who have met him. He's an interesting cat, man. He comes from Georgia. I grew up in Georgia, but not that Georgia. The Georgia I grew up with was Southern. <laughs> Even though I was a displaced northerner, I became an honorary southerner. But where he grew up is Georgia. Uh, You heard of the city Tbilisi, and it was occupied by the Soviet Union. He escaped in the early 1970s, went to Israel, eventually came to America, and brought this amazing formulation, a botanical blend created by God, really inspired uh, in response to the Chernobyl uh, nuclear disaster on Ukraine. And this is a Chernobyl-level antioxidant system that you can tap into, all botanical, not synthetic, that has gotten my mom back on the dance floor at the age of 89. She's nearing 90 now. We're planning to celebrate her 90th birthday in January. And I'm grateful to Bobri for bringing, bringing it to my attention. And uh, we've talked to a number of doctors and people who have been helped by it. And again, if you get my mom back on the dance floor when nothing was working, 
God bless you. Check out foliumpx.com for the folium products, F-O-L-I-U-M-P-X.com, a powerful antioxidant and binding uh, ionizing radiation components, uh, heavy metals, different things, and a very profound, again, profoundly natural. And I use that word natural really because it's of nature. It is plant-based and it is real, not synthetic. So foliumpx.com, remember the code RSB10, get a discount as you do the folium original, the folium immuno, and the folium relax. And get back to me on how you're doing because it's breaking through the ceiling in your healing. And if you if you feel like you need that breakthrough, check it out, foliumpx.com. Now, there's an article here, uh, and it's in the Lancet of all places. And the headline reads, Preventing Healers from Becoming Killers. Now, my first thought when I saw the headlines, like, oh, I know what they're going to do. They're going to target homeopaths and naturopaths and herbalists. So it's like, you know, how do we stop them from doing what they do? Because they're clearly killing people because they're not giving them drugs and chemo and radiation and surgically altering them. They're the, the danger. But turns out, no, that's not what they're doing here. This article actually talks about Nazi medicine, the medicine done by allopaths. It was the allopathic physicians in World War II and not just Mengele who were engaged in experimentation upon gypsies, Jews, gay people, black people, uh, people who were handicapped in some way or, or another. And they brought that medicine to America under Operation Paperclip, among many other things. And I've argued that we have, again, Nazi medicine in America. It didn't go away. It didn't even go underground. It became the monopoly medicine of the 20th and 21st century. And I call it the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism. It's a dangerous death cult. And as much as I acknowledge that there's a place for allopathic medicine, it primarily lies in battlefield medicine practices, warfare medicine. That is, you get riddled with bullets, they can stop the bleeding, patch you up and get you back on the battlefield to shoot another soldier or something. And where that's applied in, let's say, modern populations outside of the warfare uh, you know, uh, theater, so to speak, is if you get hit by a car or a bus, you get busted up in some way, shape, or form, physical allopathic response can be appropriate to reset a bone or, to, again, stop you from bleeding and put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But beyond that, it is an atrocity. It is absolute experimentation, and it has nothing to do with actual healing. It's about suppression of symptoms, modifying the symptoms that occur or eliminating them altogether, not really to heal you, but to maybe get you hooked on the medicines that then create 10 other ailments or illnesses that they have the monopoly to manage. And then they come after people like me or other naturopaths that are not licensed because as I talk about in that lecture, that's available to our patron audience. I talk about the difference between traditional naturopathy and allopathic naturopathy. And there is a difference and I don't denigrate them or anybody. I just want people to know what they're getting into. And as I said, if you want to know what kind of doctor you, you, you are hiring, the first question you must ask them is how often do you have a bowel movement? Yeah, I'm not kidding. And if they go less than you, you know what they're full of, find another doctor. Just saying. Just right out there, make it as simple as possible for you. Now, many of these people are cultists. They're often atheistic in the allopathic realm. They're willing to subject you to all kinds of experimentation. They inject children who are not even hardly they're born and they eject them. And, and they expect that there's an immune response to a hepatitis B shot. I'm like, Explain to me, immunologists, when is it that your immune system actually can activate outside of maternal 
antibody, so to speak, or maternal uh, generosity for mom through breast milk and other things, much less the passing through the birth canal of the microbiome, the, in- the influx of the initial stages of microbiome. These things are denied by these Nazi doctors, and they will put you on an antibiotic for life if they could get away with it, even as they play, well, we're using too many and there's resistance. What can we do? Hey, let's investigate more powerful antibiotics. Or, hey, how about this? We'll experiment adding silver into an antibiotic and find out it works again, not acknowledging that in the antibiotic, it's the silver, which is not an antibiotic, by the way. It's not anti-life. But that's another lecture and another monologue for another time. Preventing healers from becoming killers. How do healers become killers? They dehumanize their patients. They see them as numbers. They are paid by third-party interveners like government and non-government mandates, billing codes, ABC codes, uh, Medicare, Medicaid dictates that you find out if you don't cross that T or dot that I, you are going to be arrested for fraud, thrown in jail, and bankrupted, which is another reason why doctors, even if they're good people, end up corrupted by the system that they're locked into, which is my why, again, I'm eternally grateful for my dearly departed Uncle Bob, who was a medical doctor, physician, who died of the treatment for his cancer, ultimately. But God bless him because he warned me when I was a teenager. He knew I wanted to grow up and be a doctor, but the only doctors I knew were allopaths because I was raised in a pharmaceutical medical family. And so what was I to know? I knew nothing of naturopathy, homeopathy, herbalism until I was the age of 24. And then I found my path. But it was my dearly departed Uncle Bob who warned me about it. And I gr- I'm grateful for him. That's the short version. It was about all the things doctors did to me in the first 18, 19 years of my life that woke me up to the intoxication and poisoning people back to health, which is absurd. So you guys check this Lancet article out. It was stunning. I was surprised and shocked that they actually went after the allopaths and the Nazi medicine that they're still practicing to this day. And with that, I got a guy who knows this all too well and is not afraid to speak about it. My brother, Dr. Henry Ely. Back on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Dr. E. What is up, brother man? It's so good to be here. So good to see you. Dude, I feel like I've walked lifetimes with you, even though you know, yeah. I think about it in terms of the time we've been on this planet and we've only connected recently. I'm like, I'm yeah. so bummed about the time we've lost, but at the same time, excited about the time we have uh, now forward. Well said, brother. I feel the same way, man. I'm like, I'm listening to you over there. You're like, the first question to your doctor is, do how many day, how many times does he poop a day? It's like, yes, that's a great question. And then you're like, you're getting into the, all the vaccines and everything. I'm like, yes, why do we, it takes 24 months for a baby to gain immunocompetency. Why are you injecting it? And <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm just behind the scene like, yeah, yeah, man, rock on, do it again, man, say again. <laughs> It's so funny because it's exactly how I describe you when you're on stage because I'm just smiling from ear to ear going, I don't have to say anything. I just hang out, just enjoy and party with you, right? And, I'm and, not uh, alone. Yeah, not at all, man. We got we got friends and family out there. And, you know, not only the four docs that came together, including you and and artists and, uh, and, and the other crew, of course, uh, Dr. Group and uh, man, it, it, it's just Dr. such a Schmidt. Yeah, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Schmidt, Jan. But I'm just saying, the things we're doing are also yeah. the result of a lot of bad things that have happened. What has driven us to do what we do? It right. isn't because our lives have been totally uh, pleasant walking on uh, naturopathic medicine and, and homeopathic medicine our whole life. Quite the opposite. The, you know, we were awoken into this because of the disaster, whether it be our own health or people we care and love about. And, and 
And now we're dealing with the entire planet being assaulted by allopathic medicine through the deception of COVID. And this is what brings you guys on today. And you're going to have to help me navigate this because we got a a wrecking crew that's awesome with you today. So set the stage. Let, let's set that stage. So everybody wants something done. I think we one of the things that we can all universally agree on is that we want an investigation. We want an impartial, thorough investigation into everything that has happened. And so what we've done the last three years, I got to give a huge shout out to Senator Dennis Linthicum, uh, Oregon, Senator Kim Thatcher, Oregon, uh, Attorney Steve Jonkis, also Oregon. A lot of this happened in Oregon. Um, Keith Wilkins, who's going to be on with us today. Judge Nally, who's going to be on with us today. Um, Kelly Mordecai. I mean, we what we've done, Robert, is we've put together this incredible dream team of Americans who are experts in the topics that they are experts in. And we have shown and can prove without any shadow of a doubt that there has been significant criminal data fraud and significant, and I don't mean just, I'm talking like more data fraud than has ever occurred in human history, um, that there's been significant willful misconduct. And what that has resulted in is the creation of, of enterprise fraud that has resulted in at least from what Keith will tell us, $4.5 trillion of U.S. taxpayer money stolen on a lie. And so what we're doing is we're going after this from the criminal data fraud and uh, and willful misconduct angle, because there's only one legal concept that we've been able to find that penetrates the protections of the pharmaceutical industry from being sued into oblivion. On these nightmare shots that they've put out there, and that is willful misconduct. Yes, when you fraud. can prove willful misconduct and fraud is yeah. willful misconduct, yeah. when you can prove that something special happens, you now open the door for every single person like Ernest Ramirez, who lost his son on a lie. He lost his entire life on a lie. Stephanie DeGary and Maddie DeGary, um, everybody knows the story, hopefully by now, of Maddie DeGary and what they go through. Um, a lesser known name that is super important to me, uh, Simone Scott, that there are these stories all over our country of families that have been decimated by these lies, by this willful misconduct. They deserve a right to sue these companies into oblivion and for us, for that to be the great reset moving forward, right? And that's what we're doing here is creating the path for that to occur. Yeah. And, you know, the other option is gross incompetence, you know, but you can't really sue for gross incompetence. Uh, and, and yet, you know, when we see the medical profession and all that they have done under COVID, you would argue either nefarious intent or gross incompetence. And I don't think they want to cop to either. Perhaps they'd rather admit that they're incompetent now that they don't know. And there are a lot of good docs that have come on board, you know, what we've been saying for mm-hmm. years or decades that say, you know what, I didn't know. I'm sorry. They're actually doing a genuine contrition and I appreciate that. We welcome them into the fold. And then there are others that are stubbornly persisting that, you know, insisting that they are somehow godlike and infallible, you yep. know, the, the Tony Fauci's of the world that, you know, or uh, I am yep. science. Yeah, exactly. And so we've got to penetrate that to correct what all the wrongs or the ones we can correct, I think we're obligated to do something. What is that? Each of us has a calling. You've assembled a team that has a great calling here, and I want you to introduce them one by one, whoever you want to speak first on this subject, and I appreciate all of them for helping out in this regard. 
A hundred percent. Let's bring on Senator Lentham first. I mean, I, I think the big thing for me has always been, you know, we get in this jaded perspective that there are no good people in government. And then what that does is it engenders a defeatist mentality that we can't engage and we can't make any change. If we did even everything the right way, there'd be no one there to support us. There'd be no change occurring. And it's such a terrible mentality to to bring in. So I'm going to introduce you right now, Senator Dennis Linthicum, instrumental in torpedoing the mandates, uh, the vaccine mandates for school children way back. I think it was in 2019 in Oregon, instrumental in fighting on behalf of parents and, and children all throughout Oregon, especially in his senatorial district, but just has been a very obvious and open advocate that people have rights and it's the job of the senators to protect those rights, not to try to take more away. Senator Linthicum, how and why did you get involved in this effort that we've been collectively putting together with the grand jury petition? Thanks for the question, Dr. Lee, but you didn't tell me I was supposed to wear my sunglasses today. Ah, you got to be cool like us, man. (laughs) I feel like I'm already, you know, an outsider, but, you know, it's really pretty easy. I got involved after hearing from vast numbers of my constituents, employees from the private sector, employees from the state sector, students, and of course, their moms and dads and everybody realizing that this one size fits all narrative was entirely coercive and jettisoned literally hundreds of years of sound science and uh, technology for a false narrative. And that we recognized it was false in early 2020 and 2019 and whatnot is kudos for us. But everybody in the world knows it's false today because you can read the documents. The documents through various FOIA requests have been out in the public domain. We've documented that these guys were lying to us. They were lying to us at every step of the way. And here's a classic example of how intrusive these guys at the government level were Remember, President Trump kind of got caught. He said, well, we'll let states do it. I'll send money to the states. We'll provide funding for those who aren't, quote, essential and those kinds of idiocies. But this put that in the government's hands and you have state governors who are leaning in that tyrannical direction and other state governors who weren't. And you can call them red and blue if you'd like, but In my uh, Senate district, I have a county that's almost 8,000 square miles, so roughly the same size as the state of New Jersey, and it's ag land, it's rural land, it's cattle ranch land, and forest landscape. And the governor closed the only single pharmacy that existed within that county because someone complained, a Karen, right, complained that people were in the pharmacy and not wearing face masks. Now, nobody got sick from this activity. Nobody was ever harmed from this activity, but they brought in the red tag team. They locked the door and they said, you're out of business until you sign this paperwork and comply. And here's a $10,000 fine. 500 of it was for the health violation. And the other 9,000 was for um, willful, non-compliance. In other words, 
I want the store to your left and the store to your right to know that if they dare take an order for a burger or an ice cream cone without the individual standing at the counter wearing a mask, we're going to shut them down. And so this has nothing to do with managing health outcomes. This is control. You guys comply or we're going to break your back and we're going to drain your bank account to boot. And so um, when I hooked up with Senator Thatcher, also an Oregon senator, but from a more somewhat metro area, we um, got in contact with Dr. Ely. We saw his um, work and his uh, papers on what was going on, what the timelines were. And we simply stepped up to the plate and said, Let's go about creating a grand jury request and petition our district grand juries here in the state of Oregon. Every county has a district attorney, of course, and every district attorney can file a grand jury, um, can uh, formulate a grand jury and then impanel a grand jury and give them some walking papers for investigation, but no counties would touch it. So we stepped up to the federal level and then we ended up sending 300 federal U.S. attorneys throughout the United States this request for a petition and still never got any play on this. So then we decided to focus specifically on the Oregon district. Oregon happens to be a single federal district and we would focus on the Oregon district because Senator Thatcher and I were here and um, and then, Dr. Ely, you can fill in some of the details about how that came about. Well, what was crazy about that, Senator and Robert, this is this is that behind the scenes story. So we've been at this literally every week as a team for over three years. We're coming up on we're coming up on. Yeah, we're right at about the three year mark. That's not really important. We've been at this for a long time is the message. The the big thing that was been was shocking for us was that we actually contacted the Department of Justice and they ghosted us on this. And then Senator Linthicum and Senator Thatcher on their letterhead contacted the Department of Justice and said, hey, we need an investigation into this, as is all of our rights to do under 18 U.S.C. 3332. It's very clear that that law says that if any citizen requests of an attorney to get information to a grand jury, it says explicitly that that U.S. attorney shall get that information to a grand jury for it to determine its own jurisdiction and whether or not a crime has been committed. That's what grand juries are for. The grand juries were invented to be able to deal with potentially corrupt governments exercising willful misconduct. That's their charter. That's why they exist. So what they're attempting to do is act as gatekeepers and prevent Two senators, two elected officials and an entire team of people with all of this evidence and uh, to, from opening the door so we could bring in somebody like Ed Dowd and give more information. We could bring in somebody like Dr. Artis. We could bring in someone like John Bodwin, who's also on this team and has analyzed de uh, death certificates in multiple states. We can bring in the experts and say, grand jury, we believe a crime has been committed. Here is the evidence that substantiates our allegations. You investigate it. 
You tell us whether a crime has been committed. That's your function. And if the crime has been committed, that grand jury would then issue indictments or a presentment, but hopefully indictments. And now those people that have been indicted get their day in court because they are innocent until proven guilty in that court of law, right? So there's a process here. What they're doing, Robert, that's really distasteful is they told the senators to basically go pound sand, the Mm -hmm. Department of Justice is shock, right? So what they did after that in the world of you can't make this up is they actually, the Department of Justice assigned a U.S. attorney to defend the people that we've alleged of these crimes. Before there's a grand jury convened on it even? Before a grand jury's convened, they've they've assigned a U.S. attorney to defend them, Mm -hmm. right? Rochelle Walensky, uh, Xavier Becerra, um, Alex Azar, Robert Redfield, Brian Porter. They're nervous as hell. Exactly. They're nervous as hell because we've been on their, can I say this, on their ASS? Can I say that? We've been on their asses for years about this, right? Now, here's the the thing that, that got us. They assign Scott Asfog to defend them. This is the same U.S. attorney that Senator Thatcher and Senator Lenticum were talking to. They put him on the case, Robert, for 17 days. And then they realized, oh, wait a second. He's been talking to the senators. He might be able to be grabbed as a witness. They then reassigned him instantly to Nairobi, Kenya. Holy crap. Could they get any further away? Get him out on another yeah. continent. Wow. They assigned another U.S. attorney to defend these, these, in our opinion, criminals. And then that attorney asked for extra time, Robert. She said, I, uh, right, her name is right. She said, I need more time. I'm new to the case. I need another 60 days. Judge said, no problem. That's procedural. Fine. We'll, we're, we'll give that. Do you know that she actually missed her deadline that she asked for? She missed her deadline, Robert, which was supposed to give us a default judgment in this case. We applied for the default judgment. Do you know what the judge did? Hernandez, Marco Hernandez, an Obama appointee. Mm -hmm. You know what he did? Granted her. He said, I'm going to give her extra time that she didn't ask for. Right. Because she had a sick dog. That's what she said. That was her excuse to the court. I was late because my dog was sick. Dog ate my homework. Yep, man. This is this is the level of uh, corruption to, to protect their own. Unless they can find a sacrificial lamb, then they'll eat their own. But uh, if they're not sure how to do that, they'll do what they're doing right now. Uh, in addition to uh, Dennis Linthicum and all of his good works, we've got some more folks here that, that I want to learn from. And you brought them on today, Dr. Ely, and I appreciate that. This is such a a, a brilliant strategy, but again, it's not one that's easy. It's a long game and it's tenacious. You must be because they will thwart you at every way and try to deny you the rights that are yours by virtue of your existence, much less under the constitution. Amen to that. I would say let's bring on judge Nally next, but I want to tell everybody listening in, if you want to read what we've done so far and see what we are, where we're at, and please take everything and replicate it in your counties, in your states, and federally as well, you can do the same thing we're doing. Go to beyondthecon.com. That's beyondthecon.com. We have everything there for you to download for free, folks. This is a public service thing. And uh, the great news is after all these years, 
We are in court on December 5th in oral arguments where we get 15 minutes to explode this case before three judges. And we are very, very excited about that opportunity. We have the link to, to uh, Beyond the Con in the show notes today at robertscabbell.com. So y'all check it out. And let's welcome Paul Nally. Uh, I see comma LSD. That's not uh, uh, what I think it is. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you're sitting there probably having mental images about uh, some old North Georgia Ridge Runner, former 60s hippie, sitting out on the porch, uh, dropping hits of acid. No, that ain't what that stands for. I got jealous the other day when I, I saw again uh, another attorney uh, online. And, you know, after the name, the, the comma, and then comes the JD for Jewish doctorate. And it just, you know, after 78 years, I finally get jealous of, of not having my bona fides immediately following my name. So I decided I'd put my bona fides there, and that LSD stands for lost to dropout. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let them have it. Put, put it back in their face. And you know more than them. You're smarter than they are. And I love that you're North Georgia. That's uh, again, I've, I'm an adopted Southerner of Georgia and I uh, appreciate you for all you're doing. I want to learn more about it. Well, you're well, a good man, Charlie Brown. <laughs> well, Judge Nally, we have on our team. He is one of our two uh, grand jury experts, Robert. Uh, this man is an encyclopedia, a walking encyclopedia of the law. And uh, I, I think Judge Nally would be awesome is just can you educate everybody listening in on the grand jury and why it's so key to our liberation from this tyranny that we've been under? Uh, without going into a lot of detail, and there is a lot of detail to help the average citizen understand the, the immense power of a grand jury. But without going into all that, the main thing to remember is this, that, that there is nobody in, in the United States not even the people listening who are immune from a grand jury inquiry. But keep in mind, they're your neighbors. They aren't, they're not paid agents of the IRS or the USDOJ. They're your neighbors. They are seated if they're federal for 18 months. And if they're local in your state, anywhere from a month to a couple of months, maybe six months out of a year. But they have a very specific duty to perform under the common law. Now, if you go looking for grand jury in the U.S. statutes, you're not going to find an awful lot of statutes dealing with the grand jury. So where do you go to find out about the grand jury? Well, for that, you have to go to the early American and the English common law. That's where you find the scope of their powers. For example, in Chatham County, Georgia, in 1791, grand jury got word that their congressional election had been tampered with. Well, they got their evidence together, looked it over, and they told, they issued a presentment to the grand jury I'm sorry, they issued a presentment to the state legislature 
to impeach all the individuals that they had discovered and returned by name in their presentment. Well, not only did the legislature impeachment impeach them, but one of the individuals was a sitting judge in Chatham County, by the way. Hmm. Not only did the legislature impeach him, they revoked his citizenship. Wow. Not only did, and it didn't stop there because when the United States Congress found out what that grand jury had said, they removed the sitting congressman and then they had to make a decision. Do we bring the former congressman back to his seat as an officer, as a congressman holding over, or do we leave it vacant? They decided to leave it vacant. Then they turned around and notified the governor, you boys got to hold another election down there. And they did. And it took that grain from the time that grain, from the time of the election until the new congressman was seated was a year and 11 months. That was in horse and buggy days. So the nice thing to remember is these folks, your neighbors, once they're sworn as grand jurors, you cannot imagine the scope of their power. And you cannot imagine the distance of their jurisdictional reach. If, if there's a situation starts in your county, then if your grand jury starts looking at it, wherever the evidence leads, that's where your grand jury goes. If you want to see the physical limit on the face of this earth of a grand jury's inquiry, you need to step outside and look up. Yeah. Or either that or, or Kenya, Africa, or somewhere where they send people so they can't find <laughs> you. Not even, not even Kenya. Yeah. I Can I ask a couple of quick but, questions here for clarification? Yes, Robert. Sir. Go ahead. Okay. Can a grand jury subpoena testimony from somebody like Fauci? Absolutely. Absolutely. A, and if he refuses, he's going to be a guest uh, of the federal court uh, until he decides he's ready to talk. Can they subpoena records that unredacted records that we are having trouble getting to confirm what's going on? If they request unredacted records and they get redacted records, the next thing that's going to happen is a search warrant will be issued and federal uh, marshals or maybe uh, a group of local sheriff's deputies will be going into their office confiscating the unredacted paperwork. This to me is why they're fighting so hard to prevent any action like this from occurring and why here we exactly. are three years in and they're trying to find any anything they can do to minimize the possibility that this becomes a reality. You guys aren't letting go and thank God you're not. But again, what strategically is the next phase? We talk about the links so everybody can support it. Well, where do we go from here? Well, we go from here by getting our neighbors educated as to why they have this grand jury duty imposed upon them in our constitutions. And it is simply, they have to understand, our neighbors have to understand that the grand jury is the one place in all of the contractual documents establishing every state 
every county, the nation, that is the one place where the full power and weight of government is concentrated in the hands of the people. That's why the Supreme Court of the United States calls them the conscience of their community. So one, and, and, oh, go for it, Senator, and then I'll follow up. One more question. There, there, there's this uh, uh, other facet here when we talk about um, this idea of a presentment. The presentment is this formal document, you know, kind of bringing something to light, providing evidence, bringing evidence to bear, and awakening the conscience. And um, this moral conscience seems to be missing. We have real obvious facts like male and female that are confused today because of we've skewered our language. So when we come to an event like this, Senator Thatcher and, and myself as a senator in Oregon, each representing about 170,000 people, we send a request for a grand jury investigation to our own district, um, U.S. district attorney, and that individual tells us we don't have sufficient standing. Now, if a, an individual who represents 170,000 people doesn't have sufficient standing to investigate or bring an accusation or provide data or relevant or conscious understanding of this thing we want to investigate. I'm not saying they're guilty of it. I'm just saying, hey, it looks fishy. And they tell me to go pound sand. And all of a sudden, we're, it's kind of like, well, okay, how is this really going to work if we don't get the grassroots involved? The grassroots has to recognize the harm that is on our horizon and stand up to it today. Otherwise, the weaponization of the police state will happen right before our eyes. Amen to that, right? We can see the writing on the wall, everyone. And that's where I come in and go, okay, we have to understand a couple things about the grand jury. I love what Judge Nally said. Look, it's made up of your neighbors, right? These are people you know. These aren't people who are corrupted, hopefully, right? But it's possible. But more than likely, they're just folks like us who are going to look at things that maybe they didn't realize before and hopefully bring something to the table called objectivity, the right to change your mind, the indoctrination that so many people were put under in the presence of new information. Now, a couple things for people to realize. One is most attorneys have no idea of how the grand jury system works, similar to how most doctors have no understanding of the vaccine industry and the great harms that they do. It's intentionally omitted from the educational curricula that an attorney is going to go through. So first and foremost, Judge Nally, is the does the grand jury system belong to the judicial uh, branch? No, the grand jury is a people's court. And by the way, the case law supporting that con that idea is that, uh, have to excuse me here, let me get rid of them. Um, they are a court of inquiry. The case law supports that. They are in the, uh, for the federal court, federal grand juries are concerned, it is a, a Fifth Amendment court of inquiry. In the state of Georgia, they are in our Article One, not in Article Six, where our judiciary is carried. So, number one, they are a court of inquiry. Everybody has a right to the courts. Plus, you have the right to petition. 
So Congress has not made any law that says you cannot petition a grand jury. As a matter of fact, Dr. Ealing mentioned uh, early on 18 U.S.C. 3332, which commands a United States attorney upon request to put that information before a grand jury, and, and 94 of them refused to do it. All 94 of them have committed treason. Judge Nally, I acknowledge that. I've been at this for a long time, too, and not as a judge or anything, but studying these things, working with folks like yourself and realizing that even though you're correct constitutionally and in every which way, lawfully accurate what you're speaking, we have a government that is lawless. They are yes. the outlaws in this case. The question is, who would hold them accountable when they seem to hold all the cards and then people go, well, what's the, what's the worth of even trying? I'm not one of those people, but at the same time, you acknowledge I don't want to use the word futility, but people feel it. Let me explain the, the, the sad reality as succinctly as possible, and that is this. The grand jury is your last hope. Forget the local courts, superior courts, uh, courts of chancery. Forget them. Forget your appellate court system. Your grand jury is the last bastion in the defense of liberty before we have to reach up above the mantle and take right. a death grip on the second amendment. Right. The yeah, the rightful remedy you're talking about here. Dr. Ely, okay, back to you. I know we've got some more folks who want to get in on, mm -hmm. on the discussion here. Absolutely. We got uh, Keith Wilkins, who's our RICO expert and can tell us about enterprise fraud. Keith, you know, you've done all this incredible work and everything. Before we get into that, and I have some specific questions about the RICO fraud, can you tell everyone just the harms you've suffered? Because so many people <laughs> are, 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 can relate to this. Can you tell everybody the harms you suffered and why you sunk your, you decided to say, I'm not taking this, and you sunk your teeth into what you did? Sure. We can start with this fantastic backdrop behind me right now. <clears throat> it's a 1920 uh, era's home that, uh, that I bought after I lost my other home. So when COVID started out, um, let me back up a little bit. My first five years in the professional world, I did fraud work in the, in the private sector. I made a transition to public education. And so when COVID broke out, um, I was a, a public school administrator uh, in, in Bend, Oregon. And uh, our government, or I'm sorry, our governor passed uh, what I would say are poisonous mandates that required educators and healthcare workers to wear masks and then subsequent to that to receive the mRNA injections as a function of their employment. And I refused to do that. And so that refusal ended, uh, landed me on unpaid leave, um, the school district, um, because I refused to attend their hearings and participate and all of the rigmarole, um, they, they basically bankrupted me. <laughs> I lost my house, my cash life savings, um, my truck, my benefits, my career. Um, it sounds like so, you got a great country song ready to be written. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got pearl snaps and everything. So I put everything in storage, uh, moved into a van, uh, lived in it for a year, and then relocated in, uh, in Montana. Wow. Yeah, you paid the price for standing up to tyranny, and yeah, that's there's right. no 
No one says it's cost-free. I mean, it'd be lovely if our fellow Americans would stand by and step up and say, uh-uh, this is wrong and not let it happen. But as long as we all you know, kind of slumber along, uh, this is where inevitably it descends into overt tyranny, where you can right. good people can lose things they work their life for. And you're a living example of that, but you're not giving up either. I just I thought it was criminal, but it, this is how crazy it is. They can disqualify you from employment because you refuse to wear a mask that doesn't work. And you're adhering to like 80 years of accepted universal medical uh, um, positioning and evidence. And you and you don't want to receive a, an injection that equates to uh, genetic experimentation. And because yeah. I refuse to do those two things. I get placed on unemployment. And then when you talk to the governor's unemployment office, and you're like, hey, well, I haven't been paid in X, Y, Z months. They tell you that your only ticket to receiving unemployment benefits is to abide by the mandates. Wow. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go live in another state. Peace out. See you later. <laughs> Gee, this right. was the opening story out of the Lancet Medical Journal today about yep. Nazi medicine. That's right. Like, this is experimentation on the people. And if you don't comply, then you will be shunned and outcast. How That's long exactly they put what you it in is. camps like Nat, Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, wanted to do? That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. You know, so Keith, Keith's yes, our RICO excerpt. And, and RICO is something, it's, it's enterprise fraud. Can you give us a, a, an easy, quick, simple third grade definition of what RICO is and, and what enterprise fraud is? Yes, yeah, so RICO is an acronym. It's the Racketeer Influence and Corrupt Organization Act, written in 1970, codified in Chapter 96, Title 18, U.S. Code 1961 to 68. What we really focus on is the definition of racketeering, and that's where you have a criminal enterprise or organized crime. RICO statute was written to take down the mob, and. With racketeering, this criminal enterprise is engaging in coercive behavior, fraudulent uh, behavior, um, extortion, or any other type of illegal coordinated effort or scheme or operation to repeatedly and consistently collect a profit. So that happened, right? <laughs> this is we've all called this the cartel. We've called this like the the mob. This is this is a criminal enterprise here. And Keith, you've done some work, a lot of work at, at Political Moonshine. For those that want to check it out, make sure you tell everybody where they can find your incredible work here because it can support so many existing cases right now. But what when we start talking about to Americans, what's the dollar value? Like, what is this? What does it show up as? And it's pretty much incalculable. We by last year when we filed had it at three point five trillion that we could prove, Robert. It has since gone up. And Keith, can you take everybody through how much American taxpayer money has been lost or stolen uh, sure. throughout this process? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I submitted two reports to the team. The first one was a 331 page, essentially a, a forensic analysis of COVID-19 as a, as a construct of enterprise fraud. There were like 252 evidentiary exhibits attached to that. Um, that work can be found at Political Moonshine. <clears throat> Excuse me. It can also be found at my Substack, um, and you can link to me through like Twitter, um, Telegram, and all of them. You can find those links on the on the web page. Um, the second report was the economic impact analysis, and this one, this is where we start to get into to numbers. It is 
really difficult to begin to wrap your mind around the amount of money that we're talking about here. When this, when this report came out, I put it out on the 29th of December of 2021. And so these numbers have changed considerably. At that time, total government spending was at 3.5 trillion. It's currently at 4.2 and they're currently obligated to 4.5. And then- And that's just on COVID alone, right, Keith? That's just COVID related things. That's just COVID and that's just spending. That does not factor in any of the other- uh, Can can I ask one question of you? And forgive me if I'm putting you on the spot here because we got like just a couple minutes left in the segment here for for Robert. But um, by comparison for other disease process, other infectious diseases that are like at 99.9% recovery rates, like the flu, how much did we do we typically spend on on infectious diseases like that annually? You know, you asked me that last time, and I didn't have that number, but I have it this time, Doctor Ely. <laughs> okay. On average, one point seven five trillion per year is what we spend on flu, and as a result of COVID nineteen, as of the time of this report, we're looking at a baseline shift of an additional one point seven billion. But the more alarming aspect of this is the economic impact. There was a team of two Harvard University um, professors who came out and and they ballparked it at 16 trillion. But the problem is there are so many domains and you start to, even if you go to the GAO's website, the first thing they tell you, quote, tracking the spending is complex. Well, of course it's complex because criminal enterprises hide their tracks. Um, But they ballparked the economic impact at 16 trillion. That was then, and that was if the pandemic ended in the fall of 2021, and clearly it did not. So mm-hmm. I, I think we're, I think we're in the yeah. teens to 20 trillion to. We're talking spending larger than the GDPs of many nations on this planet, uh, just along the, on this subject alone. And uh, Dr. Ely, I'm going to ask you this as a finale here: How much of not that I'm going to give uh, uh, any legitimacy to that spending, but how much of that spending was spent on educating the people about the role of detoxification, clean water, homeopathic remedies, herbal medicines, uh, microbiome enhancements for the immune system? How much of that money was spent on anything like that? Well, since since you ask, I, I can answer that because um, I've done a great forensic analysis as well. Uh, like Keith did. It's zero. It's a big goose egg. And how do I know? Because I got into public debates with public health officials over their reluctance and outright refusal to give information to the public on something as simple as vitamin D. Yeah. We knew that vitamin D above 50 nanograms per milliliter in a person's blood was a guaranteed recovery from any SARS-CoV-2 infection. And they would not issue that because this is like Senator Linthicum has alluded to and like Keith has alluded to. This is a gravy train for evil and for tyranny. And they don't want that gravy train to stop. And that's what it comes down to. And Judge Nelly as well knows this. I mean, we have people in government, whether they're conscious of it or not, engaged in a violation of just every amendment, including the first, which says that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And yet we've established the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism, the medical monopoly, as a it's, it's a death cult that's been adopted. And it's a Nazi medicine uh, intent and approach and result. And, you know, here we are seeing our friends and family and neighbors picked off by this propaganda and how it manifests. And you guys are heroes for taking one significant 
uh, a bite or attempting to do so, despite the reluctance of them to play along with what's constitutional, correct, and lawful. And I, I bless all of you. And, and if we can help in any way, and Dr. Ely, we have the links up as well. And please make a, a plea, a call to action here as we wrap up the interview today with you guys. Well, we're grateful for you, uh, Robert. Dr. Robert Scott Bell, we are grateful for you. We are grateful for Senator Lincoln, Senator Thatcher, who couldn't be here with us today. Do- Judge Nally, Keith, great job. We, what I want to say to everyone is we got to get into this fight. It's, it's time. You got to get in. Here's how you can get in. Go to beyondthecon.com. Make sure and check out our documents. Read through what we've already submitted. Make sure that you attend. We're going to make sure we put, if we can, a live stream up there. But you can get educated on what's going on. And then you can do this at your county level. You can demand a grand jury investigation at your state level. You can demand a grand jury investigation at the federal level. You can demand a grand jury investigation. Get involved. Make some noise. Pressure the system to at least give us some sacrificial lambs so that we can correct this great atrocity that has been uh, just really perpetrated on the American people. And as you saw on that site right there, we have all the documents for you to be able to do it. Just just download them, folks, and get in this fight. We need you in this fight. And if you have it in your heart to donate and help us out with this, this stuff ain't cheap. We appreciate that, too. But you got a bunch of Americans fighting for you. Make sure you're one of them fighting alongside of us instead of rooting us on. Real quick. Go ahead. Real real quick. If if any of your listening audience is sitting as a current grand juror, please, please send us a subpoena. I will come to you where whatever state you're in. All grand juries in this nation have jurisdiction in this question. Wow, beautiful, powerful as well. And uh, Dr. Henry Ely, we're connected this lifetime. You can't escape me now, buddy. And you know it. Uh, your crew, your friends are my friends. And anything we can do to help here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, um, I'm with you, brother. We appreciate you so much, man. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. Thank you, Senator uh, Linthicum. Also, uh, Keith, nice to connect with you at Political Moonshine, Judge Nelly and everybody. And uh, Dr. H, we're going to get you back on as soon as possible with updates anytime. Amen. Thank you, sir. Okay, we're going to wrap up the uh, the live version of the show out to the world through UK Health Radio as well. And I got to do a bonus round. I get to do a bonus round. If you want to stick around, I might get the question of the day. Super not let us know. But all the links are in the show notes at robertscabbell.com, where I simply remind you that the power to heal even politically, economically, legally, lawfully, all of that, th- that power is yours. Take it back and we'll be right back. All right, Super Don, did you follow all that grand jury stuff? You know, they've got it laid out really well on the website. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if there's a lot of that, you know, I mean, sure, I mean, it all made sense, but uh, uh, it's a good website they've got there. It has links mm-hmm. to all the information that you need Beyond to get the involved. Cup. Yeah, this is something I've addressed and, and engaged in also on many levels and, and over the years saw how much the government or those in it are afraid of this. If people would find out what they can do with a grand jury which is why they send people to Africa to get them out. <laughs> Just a, right. no, no limit to what they might do to try to prevent or circumvent this inevitability. They're going to have to pay the piper one way or another. Uh, I just hope it doesn't get uglier, as uh, Judge Nelly pointed out. You know, if you fail in every rightful remedy, what's left? And that's the place where you and I don't want to see us have to go. But uh, you just know this is the history of, again, man and government on planet Earth. And we're, we're living it now. 
as the Chinese proverb says, interesting times are they. Is that what it says? Or are us. Yeah, something like really? that. Really? Ancient, ancient, ancient Chinese? The Chinese, secret? yes, exactly. Yeah, that. Gotcha. All right. And this is how you do, you do your laundry. Um, <laughs> you got the wedding coming up, speaking of laundering yourself and clothes to be, look really nice and clean. Did you cut your ponytail yet? No, I think tomorrow's the day. Oh, my gosh. So this is, this is, uh, oh, see ya. Coming to an end. No more Greg Allman. Oh, I'm going to save it. I'm going to do All something right. with it. Yeah. Put it in my box of stuff. My kid, when I, when I, when, when the day comes, my kids inherit, I, I can leave them something. Here's my leave ponytail. Your ponytail. Right. There your you dad's go. Dad's ponytail. Okay. That's right. Hmm. So, yeah. Man, oh, man. All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, the articles you sent me were really stimulating a lot of deep thought as, as they do from time to time here, maybe most of the time. And uh, just, you know, lots, lots to catch up on when I miss a live, you know, day live in studio, you know, and I can feel it, you know, it bubbles up no matter what. But I had a good time with the kids, as I said, and uh, funny enough of all the ways to get injured bowling. What kind of numb nut is that? Right. <laughs> At least you were doing something. Right. I remember. I remember one time, mm-hmm. probably the worst time I've ever thrown my back out. I was yeah. uh, it was years ago. Mm-hmm. I was at, I was at Taco Bell. Yeah, and I had a tray with some burritos or something like that on there, and I I leaned over to put the tray on the on the table. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and something in my back went doing. Yeah, and it was like, oh crap! I think I've yeah. done something in my back. And about an hour later, I was. Horizontal yeah. on the couch. Well, I, yeah, I've told I've told the story how a similar event. Now, I figured you were probably going to say, "Well, that's what you get for going to Taco Bell." But no, I, would, I would, no, that's not. I don't pile on like that. What do you think? Who do this, you think this I This was many years ago, but I um, know I didn't go there. That was not yeah, my thought. Yeah. I, I immediately thought of uh, my experience that you reminded me of when I, you know, in back in early '99, I think it was, uh, reaching over to pick up a bike in the driveway, and just that motion. It wasn't even heavy sent me down crumpled to the ground in pain of a thousand suns burning in my right, isn't that back. crazy you yeah. know and people yeah. ask you know oh what what happened what were you doing you want to tell them i was climbing mount Enter- yeah. everest or yeah. i was riding a, a bull yeah. or something you know not uh i bent over and tied my shoe right <laughs> yeah stupid bowling ball anyway yeah. uh, i'll recover but the uh, uh you know the journey in life is not without injury as part of, you know, even like scars along the way. I, I guess those guys sometimes are like, ooh, oh, look at this scar, oh, oh, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, there are times where I've said of like, you know what, I know that's going to scar, but I don't care. <laughs> it's different, I guess. It's like, what's the point? Who but cares? I mean, who yeah, it's like- but if you don't want the scar, maybe you put on some of the silver gel and uh, have it recover and heal without scarring. Uh, I, I went and I was going to get some like an Arnica plus thing today. I went to the homeopathic uh, pharmacy after I was getting mm-hmm. some laser therapy on it, cold laser. And I found this, this is not a, a, a sponsor or anything, but this thing called tea relief, uh, plant-based Arnica plus 12. And I thought, okay, this is an interesting thing. I, I'm going to buy it and show everybody just for the sake of, you know, on this side, you can sort of see it. There's a bunch of different homeopathic remedies in it. Since we're oh, doing cool. homeopathic hits every day. Yeah. And of course, it does have arnica in it as the first ingredient, and the the rest are, are various things that address injury and pain and different things. They're in what we call very low potency, like two x and three x and four x, and there's a arnica at six x. 
so they're almost herbal in context, but they're in what they call t- tableted. Um, what do you call it? They're, they're like tablets instead of little medicated BB pellets. Mm-hmm. I'll show you this right now, just so you know, because this is different. And you can take a, a powder and imbue it with the homeopathic medicine. It's liquid. And then, it, and then they can compress the powder into a tablet like I'm holding. So it actually looks like, I guess, what an ibuprofen or Tylenol would look like, a little pill that people are used to taking. And I think they're afraid of it because if people got wind that they could take something like this for pain relief instead of Tylenol and ibuprofen and aspirin, of course, it would put a big dent in the sales of big pharma, which is why they're attacking homeopathy. You know, and that's why we, you know, we, we discussed that today as well. But these are sophisticated, you know, marketing as well. I mean, if you look at it, it looks just like, you know, extra strength Tylenol, right? If you think about it. That's a pretty, pretty Im- impressive thing to do. And I think that's got big pharma nervous that people might start choosing more homeopathy as they su- get more sophisticated in the marketplace. Now, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't for you. I, you know, I don't know that's for you to try, but it's certainly not going to destroy your liver and kidneys and intestines. That's the upside, right? And if it's only a placebo effect for those that think it's all placebo, well, isn't that better and safer for your liver and your kidneys and your colon if on and on it goes. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there since we're doing a lot more homeopathy. And, and since that, uh, that question of the day, I think you could poll question of the day that sometimes comes out in the newsletter. When yeah. Like over 70% of y'all are already using these remedies. So I'm like, dude, I got to stop being afraid to talk about them because no one's using them. It's it. I mean, I'm so 20 years ago, I guess. <laughs> Even I can live in the past, I guess. Living in the past. Yeah. So we had a question of the day. Should we do it now or should we hold it for tomorrow? Let's hold it for tomorrow. Okay. It was a pretty comprehensive uh, gastrointestinal. Just so that we can make sure that they, they hear it in case they don't get the Yeah. Uh, How are things on Rumble today? Any questions coming through Rumble? Uh, let's see. Uh, Marge checked in to say hi. Uh, Jim, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Cetros Spotlight, yep. said great show, gaining IQ points for sure. Hey, like that. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Lori had a, a comment earlier when we were talking about lo- losing your job and stuff. Uh, let's see. Where was it? Is this it here? Yeah, I lost a job because I spoke out against the mask mandate at Walmart. The unemployment officer said my First Amendment rights were violated and I got unemployment. So for her, she was able to push back and still get the unemployment, which is, you know, I wish you didn't have to get it, but, you know, it's there. You paid into it. So. Uh, let's see what else we got questions, comments, anything going on. I don't think there's anybody in the chat room today on our website. Although I do see that our show is going out on the website at robertscottbell.com slash listen, but it's, it is. I, I have wrestled with that thing during the entire show, uh, to get stuff up on there. I will, I will continue, but the homeopathic hit did get up there. So that at least that's there. Yeah. yeah um, excellent. but I need to add a couple other things. Yeah. All right. I see. How do we change that Comcast thing? Dude, that goes all the way back to uh, what's his name? Yeah. Um, So I don't know. You may need to go. Oh, good Lord. It's so every time GoDaddy makes it more complicated. Yes. To get the website out. We're like one, we're like one step away from having the, the, the website completely done and and it's gotta be something complicated. So, wow. Yeah. It goes so far back in terms of a webmaster we had many years ago. <sighs> all right. We got to deal with that if we can this afternoon in, in the midst of all these other meetings that are going on. Yep. Uh, so, uh, good Lord. Oh, well. 
All right, so let's see what we've got happening tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. we have got Drew. No, no, excuse me, Heather. Uh, Heather. Heather. Why does it just say Heather? Heather. Does Heather have a last name? I don't know. <laughs> Heather. For uh, who will be here to talk about Trinity School of Natural Health? Oh, our Trinity graduate tomorrow. Heather. Excellent. All right. And uh, I don't know that we'll have Ty Bollinger tomorrow, so it may be just you and me, which is okay. Yeah. We've got some, we got some stuff to talk about, dude. I came you up do. with, so you know, on the days that I don't need stories are the days where there's like oh, 10,000 yeah. stories that are just like really great and stuff. So yeah. we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow, including Did, some some new endorsements that RFK Jr. just got. Okay. Um, cool. Which is really cool. And that will go well with another um, article that I saw on CNN talking about how RFK Jr. could change the outcome of the 2024 election. Hmm. Um, cause he's polling pretty, pretty, pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Pretty strongly. At he's this gaining point. ground. Let's see what they do to try and sabotage it. And will it work? I don't know. Yep. I just don't know. Uh, so, all right, that's cool. we got that coming up tomorrow. Uh, let's see what else is happening here. Um, you're getting ready for the wedding. Hey, is there anybody you want to invite to the wedding? Do you have enough people coming? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I didn't even talk to you about this, yeah. but, um, I'm trying to figure out a way to, cause there are several people that are not going to be able to make it right to the wedding. So I was thinking, well, okay, uh, maybe what I'll do is I'll stream it online. Um, okay. so that the people who couldn't make it can watch. You want to do that through Restream? What do you I was do? thinking maybe, I, I mean, that would be the easiest way for me to do it. And I could stream it. I probably won't stream it out to like all of our social media. Right. But maybe um, I might stream it out. I've got my, you know, uh, years ago yeah. when when YouTube kicked us out, Yeah. I s- kind of snuck back in. Okay. And I, and I created a YouTube account that I haven't really done much with, but I just wanted to have it there so that I could use it if I wanted to. Okay. And it's it's labeled the RSB show. Wow. But there's no RSB content on it. So you want to do like a family wedding for the RSB show? I was thinking just on that account because we're not using it, but I'll use our restream. And mm-hmm. um, and if people want to watch it, then, then I don't know, maybe I could stream it to the website or something. Yeah. It'd be cool, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you guys want to see that. So want to see right. me want to see me dance with I was my, thinking uh, of somebody that would want to show up at the wedding physically, though, but. Oh, physically? Uh, no. Yeah. It's no. not beyond the conduct, Barbara, is it? No. Beyond the con. Beyond the con. Yeah, not yes. the conduct. Beyond the con, Barbara. So thanks beyond for making that mistake con. so we can show that. But yeah, beyond yes. the con. And it's linked up. If you go to robertscottbell.com, if you can open the page, it's there in the website. Uh, today's show, 11-14-2023. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. There's like a hundred thousand people marched in um, in DC uh, earlier uh, in support of Israel. Really? Yeah. Wow. And you know that JP Sears thing you were talking about? I watched that this morning. I saw that. Um, I didn't get to see it all. I only saw a few minutes of it, but it was sort of interesting and intriguing of taking that perspective of I'm pro war. No, yeah, I'm pro war. I'm anti peace. It was like. He's got a humorous take on it, and uh, I, I didn't get fully through it, but at my right. point of, uh, of you know, the insight I got in the brief hit that I got from it was like, it is interesting how both left and right or right and wrong. I mean, it's like the the penchant to be like, yeah, kill them all, let God sort them out kind of thing. It's it's a, it's like we're drawn into that so easily, yeah. manipulated into it. And I think well, that was the sense and, I got. And, and it's, it's like uh, – uh, it's like that the thing that I've talked about in the past, the, the line from – this Star Wars 
movie when you've got uh, Anakin and uh, Obi-Wan are fighting mm. each other. Yeah. And uh, Anakin says, if you're either with me or you're against me. Right. And, and Obi-Wan says, only the Sith deal in absolutes. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds, it's, it's very similar. I, f- I feel like there's an analogy there because mm. when you watch like Fox News and CNN, even CNN, yeah. and, and surprisingly, you know, I kind of expected MSNBC to be immediately anti-Israel. Just be, I just thought, right? You know? Mm, sure. Dialectic, right? Right. Uh, and, and I was surprised. I was kind of like, well, no, actually they're pro-Israel. Or at least they were last time I, I watched. But it's always, the thing that's always bu- bugged me about this from the very beginning is that you've got people that are protesting mm-hmm. that are protesting against the killing of innocent Palestinians. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know anybody. Well, I can't well, maybe I do, but <laughs> yeah. I think most people I, I know sure. uh, probably would not argue with that. They would not go, oh, yes, I think it's okay to kill uh, innocent Palestinians. No, if you're innocent, I, you know, that's bad, right? But if you, if you follow the narrative, Mm-hmm. that's going on out there it's kind of like people say um you know uh, c- ceasefire you know because uh, you know we're killing innocent people they're automatically labeled as being anti-jew right and and i'm like that no, doesn't and, to and me seem very intellectually honest yeah that seems to me to be again playing a is dialectic it, game so that you don't engage intellectually right. on these subjects that are very worthy it's, of discussion. it's in absolutes you know right you know if you say yeah. anything Listen, there's been a joke, and, and John Stewart had a great bit on his show when he was on The Daily Show, mm-hmm. where he had some things to say that were negative about Israel's policies. Yeah. And every time that he would say it, he'd have these, like, people would jump up and go, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you self-hating Jew, right. you know, and, and stuff. And he was trying to make the point that it's like there's this thing where you just, you cannot say anything negative about Israel without people jumping on you and, and, and claim, you know, and accusing you of being an anti-Semite. So I feel like we're seeing the same thing here. And before, before I get a bunch of hate mail, understand, please, what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. When you look at the events as they unfolded, or at least the way that we saw them anyway, right? October mm-hmm. 7th, uh, you know, this terrible stuff that happened. I understand there's people out there. In fact, there's people even within our circle, and I hate to say it, yeah. that are putting stuff out there saying that, oh, well, it was an inside job. Uh, the Israeli Defense Force actually were the ones that killed the babies and burned them alive and all stuff. And I'm just like, come on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just taken to too far because there's video evidence of the of the, of the, of the fact of what happened. Hamas yeah. took the video themselves. In any case, mm-hmm. uh, Israel has a right to defend themselves. You go back in history, Israel's been defending themselves for right. ever, right? Well, you know? Yeah. Super but, that o- opening article you sent me about yeah. you know freedom, which was mm-hmm. interesting because it was about Australia and Aboriginals, and it kind of again that's where why it I took to the historical reality of there are always those that conquer and there are always those that are conquered. Now, does this mean endorsing and celebrating every time this happens? No, it's just a historical fact acknowledgement, sure. even contemporarily. And and the question is, what do you do? There are some unprecedented things that Israel has done in terms of giving back land that it had won in war. How often does that happen in history? You know, and here's the thing. I don't care about that stuff so much. I mean, for, for what it, the point that I'm trying to make, I, to sure. me, it's kind of irrelevant. And I say that because this. Uh, bad, bad guys came in October 7th, killed people. 
the people that were that were attacked are now fighting back. Okay, it, it in on surface on face value that seems normal. Somebody comes up to you and it sure. tries to tries to attack you. Uh, do you do you fight to defend yourself? Of course you do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now I understand it's not black and white, but um, I think it's possible that there are some people that could be protesting against what's going on that are, are don't hate Jews. They just don't want to see innocent people die. Right. So where, where and when is that conversation appropriate and allowed? Sure. Well, and you've heard me criticize Netanyahu uh, as a, a leader in Israel. I was like, this guy sold out the people to Pfizer. And this is where I come back into the, you know, the lifetimes of things that, you know, the, the, the perpetrators become the victims and the victims, you know, all of that. And he's like, we scratched our heads, both of us going, what the hell are they doing in Israel during COVID? Yeah. Making them wear a badge like a Star of David that they got a vaccine or not? And so to, to criticize kind of like, you know, that kind of self-hating Jew concept of, of uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Daily Show guy. Yeah. Um, but I said, we have to be intellectually honest enough to be able to engage in debate I mean, discussion listen, and even uncomfortable. I'm not, like I'm not, can I, can I say that, that, um, it, it would appear that maybe, uh, there's way too much collateral damage happening in this attack without being accused of being a Hamas supporter or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you should be able to engage in that level of discussion. Is there any middle ground here, right. uh, or common ground that can be found here? Or is this thing just so like J.P. Sears was trying to point out, which I, you know, look, I, I, I respect uh, his opinion. He's, he does a very good job at showing the irony and the, and the, uh, the hypocrisy and the contradictions and things. Mm-hmm. And in his bit, I would, I would suggest Robert, you go back and, and watch it. It's an entirety. Okay. Because he does point that out, you, you know, yeah. where basically he's just saying, look, you know, this is something that's going on. It's people are being manipulated you know, to, you know, it's, it's one way or another. It's those absolutes. It's the Sith, mm-hmm. the Sith analogy that's happening in the Middle East right now. And yeah. I, it seems to me that the only way that you're going to find a solution to this is if you can find some people that can find uh, some common ground in the discussion instead of having this, it's one way or the other. Sure. Yeah. Well, that takes... Again, is that even possible right now? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. It, if it you is. have to get beyond the emotional band, <clears throat> begin to analyze it a little bit more honestly, intellectually. How many how many years has this been going on where they've been trying to to, to come up with that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come up with exactly. that solution right in the Middle East? Mm-hmm. It's it's something that you know. In my lifetime, the first time I remember was was Carter. Right. Yeah. That was something that one of the few things that Carter's uh, accomplished. Uh, or I think he did anyway, back in the seventies right. was, uh, the peace talks. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously it didn't work, but I don't know. Anyway, so that continues while or while we're all paying attention to that, what's going on behind the scenes that we're not paying attention to. Sure. Right? Yeah. More attempts to destroy freedom, uh, and usurp the last place that we know that freedom was embraced in a unique way on an individual basis here in America. And that was part of the discussion of the grand jury stuff in hour two with Dr. Henry Elian team. So I hope you'll uh, share the show today. Uh, a lot of good stuff came out. And if you have any questions or comments, submit them at robertsgabell.com or you can technically, you could still call us on the toll free number 866-939-BELL. Oh, yeah. We 866-939-2355. Actually... 
Let do me we have see. Any? Let me see if I can do. You can this also right. text your email. I would text RSB to double six. Uh, you know what? I think it has a phone number, so I'll have okay. to. I'll have to edit it. Okay. We did have a call come in during the show. Okay. I think it was. It was a question about the 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 Materia Medica. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Interestingly, you can hit that tomorrow then. Yeah. So I'll I'll get that. We'll play that tomorrow. Sounds great. All right. Anything else? I got a call. Um, there's a, the uh, healing retreat going on in Medellin, outside of Medellin, Colombia. Um, some of my friends are there now, including Kimberly Overton from the Nurse Freedom Network. Shout out to her. She's going through some really cool healing. And I'm going to see if I can make it there in early December. And that's what the call is about. We'll let you know if that happens. I could do live broadcast from Colombia. I still can't believe you're going to Medellin, Colombia. Well, I haven't gotten the ticket yet. I'm, I'm still... I'm are, vacillating. That's what are, we're are you gonna are you gonna wear like a polyester shirt with with like like big lapels and why would I do you know, that? Come in there and you say say hello to my little friend. You're going back to that era, okay? Medellin, Colombia. Yeah. That's like that's like the the cartel capital of the cocaine industry. Is it still or is it has it changed? I don't Dude, know. Dude, I well maybe I don't know. Well, we got to, I know when I hear Medellin, I I think, I think our generation. So, Uh, but maybe I'll go. My my wife's saying you should go and and maybe I bring the kids. I don't know. So we're trying to work. You got to bring the kids too. Yeah. What's, what's life without a little adventure? No, (laughs) just thinking. Maybe I'm being just paranoid or something, but yeah. Well, I always, uh, whatever your equivalent of prayer on these things is I do that too. So, uh, We'll figure it out. But uh, that's part of what I got to figure out today. Then I got a silver training for doctors later. And then we'll be back tomorrow, God willing, less than 22 hours from now. Anything else before we wrap it up? I don't think so. Yeah. Thanks for Dr. Henry Ely. He helped manage that second hour beautifully with all the the people on the team beyond the con. And uh, y'all check it out, support it. And also National Health Freedom Coalition. 800 Columbian girls were injured by the HAPV. It's mandatory there. Ah. Yeah, so they're bought by Pharma, too, not surprisingly. But this is a place where we intend to go, where they have a healing retreat up in the mountains, apparently, where they're not doing that. If anything, it's the opposite. You you know what they do with the cocaine down there in in Colombia, in Medellin? How would I know that? What? (laughs) Isolating sniffles? Line up another one. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) That's just funny. All right, y'all. Thanks for being here. Thanks for everybody being on the show. Thanks for supporting us and uh, look forward to seeing you at the next Zoom AMA. If you want to see my latest presentation that got accolades, uh, join us on the uh, patron family group support thing, you know, whatever it is. Super Don put it up there. It's there for you. Patreon. You can click on the banner over at the at the website. Yeah. Learn more. Yeah. All right, man. Okay. Thank you all for being here. God bless you. Love you. See you. See you tomorrow.